My grandmother died of cancer when my father was only 16. Her tragic death understandably set him on a lifelong path of skepticism. Ironic, given that her ghost haunted our family for years. I grew up in the Bronx, in an old apartment building owned and operated by my maternal grandparents. When I was an infant, my father stayed home to care for me while my mother worked as a legal secretary. One afternoon, during playtime, a light in my bedroom switched on by itself. This wasn't uncommon, given the apartment's antiquated wiring. When she heard about the story, my mother shrugged the incident off as simply part of the building's charm. My father was more than happy to agree. Some months later, however, while my parents were entertaining guests, the story of the light with a mind of its own came up and Dad led everyone to my bedroom for a demonstration. My mother stood in shock as a lamp, which had never been plugged in, switched on and stayed on, despite its cord still being fastened to the base with a twist tie. Things like this were a regular occurrence in our home. Lights turned on and off all by themselves. I giggled at an unseen playmate standing over my crib. And yet, even after continually being startled awake by mysterious noises in the dead of night, my father adamantly denied the presence of anything supernatural. A dyed-in-the-wool non-believer indeed. Later, his sister visited a trusted psychic. I don't put much stock in such things myself, but it's difficult to deny the session's impact on my aunt. The psychic told her my grandmother was looking for my father, unable to find him. From this emerged the fact that my father had so suppressed his emotions about her death that he'd never brought himself to even see the woman's grave. Not long after this, my mother suffered one of the worst nightmares of her life. She dreamt of a shadowy figure scuttling across the den into their bedroom. Calling out instinctively for her older brother, she watched in horror as he entered and began to float above the bed. He threatened her in a woman's voice, his flesh melting from the bone and dripping onto the sheets. Just as the terrifying apparition lunged for her, she awoke with a scream. My father, dizzy from sleep, grabbed a baseball bat from under the bed and prepared to fight what he thought must be an intruder. The two of them blinked to discover every light in the room on, and the fading remnants of what my mother describes as a helicopter spotlight flickering through the blinds. When the incident passed, she reflected on the voice her brother had used in the dream and knew it must have been my grandmother's. My father relented and after long denying himself the right to grieve, decided it was time to visit his mother's final resting place. As if to make up for lost time, he spent what seemed like hours speaking to her as we waited out of earshot. We'll never know what he said, but from that day forward, the haunting stopped. Well, almost. A year later, as we waited for my father to come home during a particularly nasty storm, his wedding photo flew from the wall in tandem with a loud clap of thunder and hurled itself across the room. My mother was speechless, convinced she would later tell me this meant my father was dead. Thankfully, he walked in not long after, alive and well. Noticing his photo on the floor, he asked what was going on, but none of us could answer. That's funny, he added. I just remembered in the car today's mom's birthday. Thank you to Rue from New Jersey for that creepy-ass submission. Right. I'm Jamie Markey. <laughs> and I'm Michael Tatum. 
and welcome to the very first episode of Ghoul Intentions. Today's episode is titled A Prologue to the Omen, which comes to us from Act 1, Scene 1 of Hamlet. Uh, the reason we went with that title is because, like the ghost in perhaps Shakespeare's most famous play, uh, we wanted to focus for our first episode on stories that really affected and played a vital role in the lives of their tellers. For more information about Hamlet and pretty much any of our titles that we have, you can always check out ghoulintentions.com. Michael is going to do kind of a little a little bookie report. That's true. Most of it. most of our titles will probably probably be literary mm -hmm. based because I get to decide the title That's names. Your job. Ha 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 ha! And I'm the book nerd. Uh, so what yes. a surprise! <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yes, check ghoulintentions.com for the blog about Hamlet and how in more about how the ghost plays a part in the rest of that story. Yes. Yes, it's pretty yes, creepy. Yes. It's good. I was actually in Hamlet before. Me too. Who were you? I was one Ooh, of the guards. <laughs> in that scene, actually. I was Guildenstern. Oh, lucky. As a prostitute. It was amazing. <laughs> oh, that's cool. You you were in a really uh, risque production of it well, then. Very, very... It's... It was the year 2000. Oh, so things were so different. Was, everyone was afraid the world was going to end. <laughs> so why not make Guildenstern a woman? Right. Why not? Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, we were prostitutes. Uh, there was a lot of uh, innuendo between Polonius and, and Rosencrantz. Anyway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what did you think about that story? I love it. I loved, I loved how the haunting centered around um, the figure of the the father's denial to really right. kind of let himself grieve. I, I love the irony of it. Uh, because you had this this young man who lost his his mother at a very young age, which is tragic, and it made him a skeptic. It made him uh, an atheist. It made him all sorts of things, and just disinclined to believe in any kind of afterlife or meaning beyond just the here and now. And uh, and the, his mother's ghost kind of, you know, uh, stuck around and stayed with the family to try to eventually get him to a place where he could just accept the role of death. In, right. in life and rather than see it as oh it's the end death negates everything and nothing is anything because we all die um, you know she stuck around to kind of prove uh, to him that no it was just part of our story just part of our story yeah there's a lot of uh, it, she communicated it seemed through lights quite a bit lights yeah yeah and yeah. I I've experienced that myself I was on a ghost tour um, and I was in a room with a box of fluorescent lights and the top box was open and all of the lights inside the box turned on <laughs> wow. when I was in there. And that was strange. So I thought, well, maybe it was like a flash from a camera or something. So I just stared at the box uh -huh. while they were telling the story. I was like, I'm going to see this is not real. And then they went on again. And then my dad had actually seen it too. Oh, so. wow. Yeah. That's cool. It seems like... Yeah. Lights, ghosts, when, when they come up, especially in modern times, ever since the invention of the electric light, um, ghosts seem to be really drawn to using lights to like announce their presence. It's that but, energy but thing, that, right? they really did that too. Like if you look at old stories, like before the advent of uh, electricity, you know, ghosts tended to use lights, candles, mm -hmm. uh, fire uh, in fireplaces, hearts, that kind of thing, to also announce their presence. I still remember in um, a 
Christmas Carol when Jacob Marley first comes through the door, the, the tiny little cheap-ass flame <laughs> that right? Scrooge has going in his little hearth lights up like ten times uh, to its, its brightness. To, as, and it, there's actually a line in the book where, like Charles Dickens writes, you know, the, the fire... Uh, you know, uh, climbs uh, to the top of the hearth as if to say, I know that ghost, it's Jacob Marley. And so it's interesting how ghosts kind of use what human beings, living human beings, are drawn to. We're always drawn mm-hmm. to light. Even when night falls, the first thing we do is turn on a lamp or light a candle or, you know, in the I old But it takes a lot less energy to use electricity as opposed to, like, making fire brighter. I bet all the ghosts were like, find a fucking way. <laughs> We can use less because energy. Really, this is great. Now we can turn things on and off all over the place and do more. But isn't that, in, isn't that interesting? Because yeah. if ghosts are kind of denizens of the dark, um, at least metaphorically speaking, it's interesting that they try to use light to signify, uh, to draw us to their message or to whatever they're saying. Or maybe they're um, just scared of the dark. <laughs> they're, just, they're not trying to talk to you at all. Oh, <laughs> they just like... want some light up in here. <laughs> I bet that's what I it hope. is. I mean, if you're a ghost, what's there to be scared of? Anymore? I mean, I, I don't. I, I mean, who knows? Who knows? It's a whole right. other. What are they gonna do to you? What, it's like a post veil of tears, veil of tears. Who knows? Right. It's true. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> On that note, you have such a nihilistic view of ghosts, without even knowing it. I know. I didn't. Yeah. I think they. I just can't use... even spell nihilistic. <laughs> no, nihilistic. Nihilistic. How do you Nihil- say? I, I say nihilistic. I don't of know. Of course you do. On that note, you should tell you should tell your story. I will. I will. I want to to hear your story. Our next submission is actually from a friend and employee, co co worker of ours. Right. 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 uh, uh, Kristen Kristen McGuire. Kristen McGuire. Yeah. So she does writing, she does art, and she's a voice actor. Right. Uh, And she told us this story, and we were like, "You better send it in because we're going to use it." Yeah, I do. I do. I'm so glad she did. I love this story. I've titled it. Trailer park ghost goes round the outside. <laughs> Maybe you should start titling the episodes. <laughs> uh, not the episodes, the stories. I'll title. I know, stories. but I just like you should you should be the titler from now on. Yours are better. But... <laughs> no, you have to do the real titles. Okay. I do the bullshit titles. We're not. We're gonna edit all that shit out. <laughs> All right, all right, okay, okay. okay I'll call. Let me just let me just get take a sip of my. Uh, what are we drinking, Jamie? We're uh, drinking Moscow, Moscow mules. mules. <laughs> <laughs> Which is our preferred drink when we are together, especially. It's been a tradition when we tell ghost stories, there's always Moscow mules involved, That's at least true. for the past few years. Yeah. When mules became all the rage. Right. So and I have really I will, fun uh, cups. So I'm going to settle really into my Moscow mule while you read us Kristen's really awesome ghost story. Okay. When I was 19 years old, my boyfriend and I had just scraped up enough money to start renting our own place. It was a lovely two-bedroom, one-bath trailer in the middle of nowhere just outside Jacksonville, North Carolina. By lovely, I mean we had rodents for roommates, huge spiders, and a few holes scattered here and there throughout the house. On the floor. Our landlord looked like he belonged on the set of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. He was a large man who enjoyed sitting on his porch in nothing but his whitey tidies and a wife beater where he spent his days spitting dip into a cup, missing, and catching it on the aforementioned clothing. Naturally, his house was right next door to our trailer, so this was a sight we were often blessed with. Not long after we moved in, we began to notice strange occurrences throughout the house. It started innocently enough. One night, we came home, and every single light in the house was on. The stereo was blasting, the TV was on, all of the clean laundry which had been on our bed 
was now in a neat pile in the corner. Our initial thought was that we had been robbed, except that the TV, stereo, and laptop were all still in the house, and they were the only real items of any value. Nothing was missing. It was if someone just wanted to turn on all of the electronics. Since nothing was out of place, we dismissed it. I've always been a light sleeper, so it doesn't take much to wake me up. One night, a few weeks after the light incident, I was lying in bed when I heard a noise in the house. I sat up, not sure if I really heard it or if I'd just been dreaming. Then I heard it again. It sounded like someone was running down the hallway of our tiny mobile home as fast as they could. It would stop right outside of our bedroom door, which was closed. Then it would start over at the other end of the hall. Except I never heard footsteps leading away from the door. It was as if the sound was on a loop. It happened a few times, and when I finally had the courage to open the door and see who was there, the hall was empty. The sound stopped. One night after that had happened, I was sleeping when I felt a cat jump onto our bed. We did not own a cat, but I was still half asleep, so I hadn't put all that together yet. I felt the cat walk across the bed, felt its little paws on my leg as it made its way up to my chest. Instinctively, I reached out to pet the cat, but there was nothing there. I dismissed it as a dream. Weeks went on and things continued to get weirder. My boyfriend had slept through all these occurrences, so I was starting to think that maybe I was just imagining it all. The worst of it came right before we moved. Our bed frame was metal and included a headboard and a footboard. I was asleep when I began to feel a violent shaking, and it felt as though someone had grabbed the footboard and was shaking it back and forth as hard as they possibly could. Frightened, I woke up my boyfriend, but the moment he stirred, the shaking ceased. It happened again the next night, and the night after that. Every time I woke up my boyfriend, the shaking would stop. I would also hear that same running in the hall. Finally, one night when the shaking was particularly bad, I woke up my boyfriend, and the shaking didn't stop. I remember him looking at me with wide eyes, and all I could think was, Thank God I'm not crazy! We moved out not long after that, but before we left, our landlord told us about his adult daughter, and how she had died a few years before then. He had buried her, on the property where his home was, and coincidentally, where our trailer was. I don't think that's considered very legal, but he was always a very strange backwoods kind of guy who had a talent for making my skin crawl. Whatever the case, I'm convinced that something on that property was not happy to be sharing its space with anyone. I guess now we know why the rent was so cheap. Thank you, Kristen. It's so creepy. That's such a great story. <laughs> so oh, it's such a great story. <laughs> and the payoff. What a payoff mm-hmm. at the end. Like, oh, you've actually... Because that's... When you think about it, how many ghost stories end with a kind of explanation as where the ghost came from? I mean, there are you know classic ghost stories where we have, oh, we know who that was. We figure out who it is. But, like, it's very rare that you end up finding out just who the ghost right. 
was. Right. That's an important element. That or at least people, an assumption. Right? An assumption. Yeah. Like you, you most people uh, that I've talked to that have had ghostly experiences walk away really having no idea where the ghost came from or what mm-hmm. their point is for sticking around if they have a point. They don't they don't get the satisfaction of like, oh, that was probably this person who was buried on the property or or you know, my mother who died when I was sixteen as in our first story. So that's really fascinating. And it's kind of again bringing back to the title uh, that comes from Hamlet. Like Hamlet knows who that ghost is mm-hmm. and it really kind of sets everything in motion. It kind of turns Hamlet it motivates him to to do what he does. That sets the whole plot. It's you know in the, motion the, the because other he thing. has that because he has that um, the not just the knowledge of who the ghost is. Right. And the other thing though is that this is a true story. Mm-hmm. She was very clear about that. This really happened to her. Um, and also, uh, don't bury people in your backyard. Yeah, that's, that's just that's an important moral takeaway that. from that story. Don't do it. It's not. Don't. It's not anything anybody wants. So if you were thinking, I have this dead body of a loved one, and I want it to be close, so I'm going to just put it out in the backyard next to the dogs that I've had over the years, don't do that. I mean, funerals are expensive. They are. And chances are, if, if, you know, you're living in the backwoods... You know, if you're living off the land, right. uh, you're not going to be able to afford, you know, fancy schmancy funeral home prices. I if, mean, I'll tell you what I would do if I lived out in the middle of nowhere. If there was a pond, I would go Viking style. That's what I would do to somebody. They ooh. would love it. You know what I mean? Wait, Put them so, on a raft with lots of wood and just let it all on fire. But you have to like, don't you have to like fire an arrow? Like literally, like shoot an arrow that's on fire at it. Isn't that how they did it? They didn't just like set it on fire on the shore and then shove it off because it's on fire. You'll burn yourself. Like they would, they would cast it adrift, and you know once it got clear of the shoreline, they would then have a oh, an right. archer then shoot it, pre- preferably with good aim. Yeah, uh, but to not shoot always. flaming arrows. At, and I'm at sure not hitting it meant things. Well, we'll just say for the sake of argument and the fact that I know this is never going to happen, <laughs> I would totally shoot an arrow and light it on fire. Absolutely. Would, would you I? do that for me? I would light you on fire, oh, Michael. I would light you on fire, Jamie. Thank, Thank you. you. Kristen would light you on fire, too. Thank you for that story. It was so good. It shows that we care. That's right. That's right. So, All right. So something else that we're going to do. Yes. Is yes. we are going to also tell our personal stories. Well, because we also want this this podcast to be about storytelling. Yes. Um, so many. I, it, I'm personally, I have always been drawn to ghost stories, true and false, uh, or true and fictitious, because I think it's an interesting form. And the, when you think about. Uh, I mean, human beings are storytelling creatures. It's how we organize our thinking. It's how we we pass along culture. It, it's it's just we are storytellers, and it's interesting to note that ghost stories are the oldest, uh, certainly one of the oldest genre of stories that mankind has been telling itself, and it has survived every cultural shift. It, the Enlightenment happened, and well, we don't believe in things like that anymore. But ghost stories were still popular. Right. You know, in, mo- in the modern age we still there's always no matter what new things come on board to kind of distract us from sort of old world thinking as it were ghosts find a place to kind of make their home and still and still be just as compelling as they were to people telling them around campfires a million years ago you know i think on uh the podcast twitter which is ghoul intent. <laughs> ghoul intent. There's recent. Uh, there was a post. I guess it was about a month ago now. That uh, is about Mesopotamian ghosts. Yeah. And they had an exorcist 
like a, that was their job, their full-time job, respected in the community, to help you get rid of ghosts that weren't being as chill as you would like them to be. Mesopotamia. It's fine. It's, yeah. it's interesting how like that was just a normal part of life. The way that like you might call a pest control guy to come take mm -hmm. care of you know rats right. or roaches, or, nice? or if you live in the Keys, iguanas. Right. <laughs> Iguanas are a problem. So many in the um, too, yeah. What do you th What do you think it is about ghost stories that are so compelling? Because they're they're frightening, well, and people don't always like to be frightened. And yet, true. even people that don't like to be frightened like to tell ghost stories. I think it's there are several things. One, death is unexplained, and it's always a mystery. It is the biggest mystery, and you don't know until it's too late for you to tell anybody about it. It's also the fear. Yeah, it kind of defines fear, every other fear. The ultimate fear, the ultimate mystery. Then you also have um ghost stories are not political they're not necessarily religious sometimes they can be but they speak through all cultures and you know if you had a room of people that didn't speak a different language and you had translators i think that you could all tell ghost stories easily you know and it's just fascinating this reverence for the dead this way of communicating to a past life and we all have it all over the world and we've had it forever forever so there's something about a good ghost story that you can almost always connect with you can almost always you know that little shiver that goes up your spine and all of those things but i think mostly it brings people together and that mm -hmm. is what we really want to focus on with this podcast yeah storytelling and the, and the role it plays in bringing people together and and stories designed to kind of help us get our heads around the big questions you know mm -hmm. like i mean like I said, I said just a few minutes ago death is like the big fear i mean right. I, somebody has said somewhere and i i happen to agree that death is every fear boils down ultimately to a fear of death you know if, if you're um you know embarrassed at public speaking for example it's because you literally you know your body reacts to that fear of going on stage and speaking in front of a group of people as though you were uh you know, on the veldt, you know, six million years ago and facing down a saber-toothed tiger. You know, I mean, it's, it's, your body doesn't distinguish between, you know, that kind of fear of death and fear of anything. Fear is every, fear. Every it's fear is fear, no and it all yeah. comes down to the fear of, of oblivion, of, of annihilation. Oh, so and I think speaking ghosts help of us process that. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of annihilation. <laughs> Where is this going? Uh, <laughs> we thought it would be fun in the spirit of, of ghost stories. And, and since uh, you guys are kind enough to let us spirit. tell your ghost stories, I did a joke. It wasn't a pun until it was. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys have been kind enough to let us tell your ghost stories. Yes, so you. for this particular podcast, we're not gonna be doing this all the time, but Michael is now going to tell you one of my ghost stories that he's heard Oh, yeah, times. and I have to do this kind of on the fly, just based yeah. on what I remember. Yes. Um, um, the now, story that I want you to tell... Okay, okay, okay. I feel like you've heard it enough. Is I feel like I'm too far away you from mine. You have a lot of good stories. Um, you have a lot of good stories. The... Okay, I grew up in a house that Is had okay. a lot of, of activity. Yeah. So what what do you okay. what do you remember okay. about my I remember house? okay I'm now feel free to jump in and correct me. Oh you know I will. Cuz cuz being a natural storyteller myself I may 
put in details um, that don't belong just because I get swept up in the telling. But... Well, and there's so many stories, it's hard to keep them straight. Right. Um... Slash, you lie. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, never let the, I never let the truth get in the way of a good story, right? No, <laughs> um, no you hold. It's okay. So, yeah. well, I like this because I mean, this podcast is about storytelling, and it's so many times, you know, if we don't have our own personal experiences to share, the mm-hmm. next best thing is to tell someone else's story that you uh, heard, um, and and especially if that story affected you in some way, if hearing oh, it yeah. really hits you, and you're like, oh, and it. Because sometimes, do you ever have? Before I get into your story, I want to talk about for a moment like have you ever been told a story that you accidentally make your own later on like it would there's the original telling whoever told you like hit you in such a way that it, you remember it as your own story when in fact it wasn't and you have to be reminded later that oh that wasn't actually your story no, no, no? i know the difference between the truth and I've, a lie I, see i guess i don't <laughs> <laughs> so be wary everyone one of us tells the truth one of us always tell lies. the truth <laughs> All right, well, let's okay. see Let's see if I can tell the truth in your story, because it is not, true. I'll okay, you so out. you... All right. Uh, um, <laughs> oh, this is, uh, this is so much fun. I love this. So Where did I live? You lived in Oklahoma. Uh-huh. You grew up in Oklahoma in, in kind of the out... You know, the out... Well, it's all Oklahoma. Everything is out back. That's not um, true. It's true. We don't live in Australia. It's true. It's in the country. <laughs> Outskirts. There you go. Sorry. Outskirts. Outskirts. <laughs> it's not a back. It's a skirt. Um, so you lived in Oklahoma, out kind of in the country, or in, in, in the country. kind of a country suburb, what we would call it. Mm-hmm. And you grew up in a house that had a second story. The attic was part of that story. It was it was on the same floor. It was like a, the attic was like a, a separate room on the second floor with like a loft that like looked over the front door. Am I? Am no, I, no, no, no. It was just uh, there was no looking over. It had there was a balcony, so you had to leave the room and you could go to the balcony. That's okay. But it okay. wasn't like open. It was just I you gotcha. went upstairs. There was a big closed room. There was a little bathroom, and then on the other side of the bathroom, okay. there was a door that led to the attic. So it was this upstairs area. Uh-huh. Uh, with Covered the almost attic. the whole house. Okay, so like, okay, so it was the whole, almost the length of the house. Mm-hmm. And uh, forever growing up, because you moved in that house when you were about eight, as I recall, right? Eight, it wasn't ten, the first place like you lived. It was, it was the first. It was the, yeah, no. But it was the first house you'd ever moved into. No. Was it the first? No, it wasn't. Okay, no, I think it was so. the second. Oh wow. Okay, but but it wasn't how you grew up in like until then. It was new. Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, it, no, it was an old house. Yeah. It had been built. In the early 80s, I think, but it had been vacant for about five years. Okay. And to be clear, I know a lot of people have listened to that anime show in the past. Right. This is the house with the spiders. Okay, continue. Oh, the spiders. Okay. Well, it's Oklahoma. Elaborate on that. So, uh, <laughs> so growing up in this house, um, sounds used to come from upstairs all the time, all the time. Footsteps, music, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, footsteps, music, uh, voices every now and again, uh, just weird, unaccountable noises when no one was up there. And in fact, you and your brother, Jean-Luc, used to get in trouble uh, because your mom and dad would think that you guys were up past your bedtime having a little party upstairs uh, in in you know, in that room, in that area. And uh, at least on one occasion, or maybe several, uh, your father heard you guys and thought he'd sneak up and kind of catch you in the act of, of you know, uh, breaking curfew and um, it would stop. The noises would stop the minute he got to where everything was coming from and then there was nothing yeah, going would, there. And he, he would, would creep up the stairs very quietly, like he'd crawl up the stairs 
which to be fair to a ghost must have been terrifying to see. But he would crawl up the stairs, and as soon as he got to the stop, top of the stairs and turned around at the landing where you could see the rest of the mm -hmm. the upstairs, it would stop and there would be nothing. Well, Lights and, off. Everything. And wouldn't he have to pass by your rooms? Yes. And all he would have had to do is check in there first to make sure that you guys weren't. But he was so sure, the sound was so vivid, mm -hmm. and so just absolutely positively you guys that he didn't it didn't even occur to him apparently to look in your rooms before checking upstairs where the noise right. was coming from so that's how loud and that's how convincing they always how thought it was a tv the noise was, was yeah, a, TV. a tv and so the minute he got up to the top of the stairs nothing nothing lights off sound gone mm -hmm. he'd then check in y'all's bedrooms y'all's bedrooms y'all's bedrooms we're in texas y'all's yeah. still <laughs> um and you'd be asleep mm -hmm. and this went on for years this was kind of the norm it sort of i didn't really let me fix this mic I didn't really uh, get how much that was happening until I had moved out and I was grown up. Uh, but it happened all the time. And I, as much as the sounds and stuff, it was more reported from my mom and my dad. Right. And my dad is a skeptic. Uh, but for me, I was just really creeped out by upstairs. I didn't want to, I never wanted to be up there by myself. I always yeah, felt like somebody was looking at, looking at me or watching me. But later... And I guess I'll get to the the later part, but um, it, well, later you you uh, went to a psychic, um, mm -hmm. kind of on a lark, mm -hmm. you and your mother together, uh, because you thought it'd be fun, mm -hmm. and and the psychic you'd been to before and knew was really good, and um, but apparently the psychic said that you were too busy, like there's too much around you, all yes. kinds of stuff, which we'll I get into in, <laughs> in later episodes. I was kicked out of the house. You were kicked out of the house car. and had to wait for the psychic to, to give your mother a reading uh, while you were in the car. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was I was shamed for my spirituality. And your mother Just learned. Around and your mother learned all sorts of things in that session. Mm -hmm. But the main takeaway that plays a part in the story here right. is that the ghost or the haunting uh, was from a woman uh, whose name apparently the the psychic was getting the name Fran uh -huh. and that she didn't even live in that house she had lived somewhere else down the road or in a different part of town or who knows where but had uh, in life been like the consummate hostess loved to entertain throw parties she lived somewhere with a huge upstairs ballroom that she loved to entertain in and just was known among all her friends as the party woman. Uh, this was this was the person that if you got an invitation from Fran, you went. And apparently after she passed on, uh, she found like this house. She'd never she'd had nothing to do with this house in her life. But in the afterlife, she found this house, loved the upstairs because it had similar dimensions to the ballroom she had hosted in for so many years. It's reminiscent. It was reminiscent yes. of, of the ballroom she had entertained in for so many years. And so she decided to kind of set up shop there and spend her afterlife, uh, or part of it at least, in this. And she would call other spirits, draw them to the house, literally invite them to have a party in the upstairs in the portion of this house. Yes. And one thing the psychic kept uh, coming back to was there's like a window that's not a window in the attic right. that, that she kind of goes to and and and, and summons the other spirits through. Uh, it's window, not a window. Window, but not a window, the psychic kept saying. And it just so happens that there wasn't a window in that attic, but not there original. was 
a hole <laughs> created by like a hawk. It's in Oklahoma, so I imagine it was like a red-tailed hawk or, or a merlin or something. It's that, big that, old that, bird. That um, flew into the side of the house. Yes. Uh, died uh, sadly, but flew into the the side of the house with such force that it actually put a big old hole, big old big hole old. up there that um, that just never got patched over because it was the attic and, was the attic. and whatever. Who cared? And I'm that sure the squirrels loved it. The squirrels probably loved it, and the ghosts <laughs> and that the, Fran invited. And the ghosts. It was just now, enough for all the spirits in the neighborhood to squeeze on in for a party. <laughs> oh, the spirits <laughs> they were doing the Atkins died. They were. Um, so, but, but, so the... Uh, that's why they were all dead. That's what... Heart <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. That's, that's, <laughs> well, you're not necessarily wrong. I, no. I don't have an opinion. But... Uh, we could ask Dr. So Atkins. Later, but... not la well, we could, well, maybe Fran will invite him over for a party. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wonder if in death he still asks about carbs. <laughs> Anyways. I hope that man is just swimming in potatoes. I just, I really hope he can finally have all the mashed potatoes and gravy mm -hmm. he wants. Like, anyway, mashed so, potato so, sandwich? Getting back to the story. Sorry. Getting back to the story. Which, which I really want to, there's a little button at the end that I, I, I just kind of learned uh, earlier today when I was like thinking about the, the, the origin, the etymology it's called of the name Fran. Before we get to that, I want to talk about, so your brother lived in that house, like after you had moved out and gone to college, correct? Um, mm hmm younger brother, uh, lived in that... Jean-Luc. Jean uh, lived upstairs in that room. That was his place. That was mm -hmm. his, uh, where he lived, when he still lived at home. And I guess one day when you were visiting, uh, helping clean out or something, and, and you were all there, and um, there was a, your mother suddenly like kind of got everyone's attention. Said, what the hell is that noise coming from upstairs? And it well, sounded like... we had been like... cleaning out the upstairs. We were there to help them kind of clear out upstairs once I moved out um, and Jolly could stay there for a while but he had moved out from being upstairs it kind of just became a storage place so we were helping them go through and clear out the upstairs so this was after he had moved out this too okay so this is much much later yeah okay because okay. he See, lived see, upstairs for a while he decided he was right. going to stay there I did not tell him I was creeped out by it because I didn't think that was fair to him true yeah. true and he had never I guess he had, had never had any experiences of his own he grew up in the house, so it was all normal. Yeah. 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 Whereas, you, because you'd moved there when you were younger, it was different than the house, and so you had a kind of frame of reference for this is not how a house should be. Right. But he didn't, so you just like, yeah, well, let him live there, because I don't want to It could just be me, out. too, right? I, like, maybe I'm just the one that's being overly sensitive about this upstairs space. It could be in my head. Blah, could blah, be. Blah. And maybe Jean-Luc is fine, and then Yeah, if happened. he's fine, then I don't but, but when you got, so later, when after he'd moved out, the, the, the room had become kind of a storage place, and you guys were cleaning it out, organizing one uh, one afternoon as i recall and uh your mother called attention to some noise well we had been cleaning out that day you forget this part i guess you just heard it though this part of it yeah you just told me this before we started recording this last part which i'm fascinated by right so we were upstairs uh cleaning most of the day it was that night um and so my mom wakes us up at six in the morning actually and she's like what who set their alarm and i'm like what and jean-luc hops up and he's like it's from upstairs he's half asleep he runs upstairs and he comes downstairs holding an alarm clock that was unplugged right 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 so the alarm clock so i'm i'm <laughs> let so, me see if i remember correctly though so the alarm clock is unplugged uh -huh. but going off beep 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 beep, beep, beep. beep. 
and there's no and that like there's no the time isn't even reading out on it anymore like right. it doesn't even have enough juice to showcase the flashing 12 it's just dead the yeah. clock is dead unplugged you took it from him thinking well maybe the there's there are batteries inside of it that you know maybe there's something going on but those batteries were corroded Completely. I corroded didn't even all the hell yeah. and and um but yet the clock was still going on until you turned it off you turned the you had to turn the alarm off as turn though alarm. as though it were fully juiced up and that yeah that's yeah did i get that part right that was right yeah now the little addition that mm -hmm. to the story that i found out when i was doing a little research this afternoon before we started recording the name fran which the psychic discovered uh in that session with with your mother uh, is, is of course short for Francis. Mm -hmm. Francis is kind of a medieval name in etymology. It comes from medieval Europe. Uh, it usually means someone who is, who is French or Frankish. Uh, Frankish Francis. And it's interesting that Fran shared a name with the, the uh, Francis of Assisi, the, mm -hmm. the patron saint of animals, mostly known for birds, for his love of birds. Um, and you said something when I discovered that you're like maybe Fran called the hawk to the, the hawk side to. of the house to create the hole, the hole, the portal, the hawk. Well, well, what was all I can hope is that the spirit of that hawk got invited to every party after I bet that. I it was there. Just <laughs> uh, the other, the other part of that story is that uh, when Jean Luc was up there, um, he was there for a couple years. He stayed up there. And it was afterwards, and after we had talked to the psychic, that we told Luke. And he said, well, that would explain why, when he stayed up there, he always saw a woman watching him. Right. He would wake up in the middle of the night and see a woman either hovering over him or just sitting next to him watching him. So we figured that must be free. We've decided that when you pass on, that's what you're going to do. I'm totally going to be a ghost party planner. Are you gonna kidding me? You're going to be a ghost party planner. Can you imagine you're gonna the, be the Halloween best. parties? <laughs> They're going to be amazing! Amazing! Like, you don't even have to decorate. Everything is just right. real. That's right. Okay. Okay, so now it's your turn. Do you have another submission? Hold on. How much oh, you do. You do. Yeah, you I have do. another submission. This story is from Jenny Marie, and I've titled it Psychic son? Oh no! My youngest son has always been able to see the other side, like myself and his great-great-grandmother. Eight years ago, when he was seven, we'd been living in a one-bedroom attic apartment for a few months. The building was located down the street from the oldest school in town, so it already had a pretty creepy vibe to it. One night... My son walked out of the bedroom where he and his brother slept to the living room where I was and said, Mommy, make the man in the corner stop playing with the chainsaw. I was half asleep, so I told him he must have been having a nightmare and that no one was really there. That wasn't good enough for him, though, so he argued with me until I finally got up to prove to him there was no one in his room. I will never forget walking into that tiny bedroom and seeing a dark figure holding a chainsaw above my oldest son's head. I glared at the spirit and hissed out, If you so much as touch my boys so help you, you will feel hellfire. Unknown to me, this had been happening every night for nearly two weeks. My oldest had no idea anything was happening because he was asleep, and when my youngest told him, he just assumed his little brother was having nightmares. 
Now, my youngest is 15. He still sees things and is considered a portal. He's also in training on how to properly use his gifts. We still have episodes of when mom has to save the day, but thankfully, not very often. Creepy kids! Yeah! Oh, creepy, but like, how <laughs> how cool is that to have... It's not creepy. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to... Well, I mean, I would be creeped out by that, personally, but I'm, I'm also not a very brave person. No. So, not at all. Well, my, I mean, my comfort zone is not not even as big as I am. Uh, well, also, they're in, a, cool. they're in a, a creepy apartment anyway, but it's also an attic. Yeah, well, like the story we just told, like attics... Attics seem to so be a creepy. conduit. Attics and basements. <laughs> Thank you, no. Well, think about it. I mean, in, in the context of ghost stories, attics and basements play such a pivotal role because that's where human beings tend to collect the stuff they want to keep but want to forget. Right. And that tends to kind of, you know, be you part know and parcel of the Because you stories. don't hear a lot of ghost stories about, like, tornado shelters. <laughs> yeah. Right? If you have stories about tornado <laughs> shelters, please send please them in. Please prove us wrong. Like, I'm but, sure there's ghosts everywhere. Like but, or... but in haunted houses or whatever, like it's they tend to be, they, the ghosts tend to congregate in places where humans aren't, uh, where humans don't live. You know, it's um, they tend to be in places where humans don't often go. Yeah. They just go like, you know, a few times a year, maybe to, you know, dust off the Christmas decorations, bring them downstairs or upstairs, <laughs> as the case may be. It's, it's, it's fascinating yeah. to me that that's the choice of ghosts. Maybe that's where they can live the most peacefully because they're like, ah. It's true, it's quiet. Ghosts could be no, just as annoyed by the living talking. as. <laughs> in my space. Right, right. right. It's interesting. They live up here with cobwebs because they don't make any noises. But I will say, what how cool that, that, um, the mom is like willing to kind of right. nurture the son's gifts. Well, and I love and that it's just... a story about a son with a mm-hmm, gift. Mm-hmm. You hear a lot of it, especially, I mean, in the South, there's a lot of stories about women having right. these, these right. gifts and that being passed down and the women in the family, but you don't always hear a lot about it from the men. And so I love that the story, it's true. you know, it's talks true. about that that is something that why do you think that is why do you think it's traditionally women that have the gift and not men do you think that's just a function of the physiology that like women tend to be more gifted or do men culturally just suppress it more because it's considered like it doesn't it doesn't fit in with their worldview of how a man should be right well i think honestly i think that's gonna get dark i think women are better listeners because women in particular, and I'm not saying it hasn't happened to everybody, but from the beginning of time, women have to escape men taking over their other men. So you have to listen. I mean, you know, 300 years ago, women have been running from rape forever. Women have been running from murderers forever. They They were left behind to tend and do stuff. We are better at that you're more so, alert. Yeah, we're more alert. Yeah. You know, I always have told men in particular, if you're with a woman and a woman is like, we can't go in there, don't go in there. Because she's picking up on something that you don't get. And it's because we've spent our lives, you know, being alert to certain death. Without, <laughs> I mean, without an exact, I'm not exaggerating. Well, it's true. It's called woman's intuition Absolutely. for a reason, isn't it? I mean, we don't, about... we don't talk about men's intuition. Men, no. men intuit nothing. Right. I mean, and I, I, I say that as a man. Like, I, I, every time, you know, my friends, yourself certainly, like, have a feeling about something, I tend to go with it. It almost always turns out to be yeah. true. It's just generation upon generation upon generation of 
of having to listen in a different way wow. than yeah. than than men have have traditionally been able. You know, I've never thought of it like yeah. that before, but then I'm a man, so I wouldn't right. have. Right. <laughs> no, yeah. it's, that's that's fascinating. So that's wow. So that makes sense that if there is you know a sixth sense or something that you know, that women would be more keyed into it because they're already so highly sensitive to. Um, and I don't mean that in a pejorative way at no, all. No, no. I mean highly sensitive in the sense of like they're just more alert to their they're more alert to their surroundings than men tend to be. Absolutely. Um, at least in my experience, I'm not you know by no means an by no means am I an expert. Well, I think but... you know culturally there's a shift changing that's a little more equitable, and I think that that is starting to change mm-hmm. uh, where you know men feel as at risk as women do it's it's great it's great to have equality (laughs) but so i think that there's more we could do a whole show about this especially because it happens while we're recording this to be pride weekend here in dallas texas Mm -hmm. but it's also true that in many cultures uh also in native american cultures here in, in in the united states that women and um i don't want to say this in any sense uh, it's men who are thought to be more effeminate than mm-hmm. you know than masculine uh, are also in most cultures considered to be to be in touch with the spiritual side with the other world mm-hmm. um, be it the underworld or, or the ether or, or you know fairy or whatever you want to call it in different cultures but women and men who seem to associate more with women be it maybe they're what we would call now transgender they can they're considered to have the gift of second sight or of uh, talking with the dead of being shaman right um, because they don't, because they they tend to um, their role within society, as far as men are concerned, tend to be more reflective of what women do than what men are supposed to do, right. and that opens them up, or you know, it allows them to explore. Perhaps because they're already seen as lesser than, uh, they're free to explore that gift rather than to suppress it for the sake of fitting in with the men folk. Right, and of um, course, this is a massive generalization. We're not saying yeah, no, I, I'm not a by no blah, means. Blah, blah. Am I? But it. I just I, yeah. I am fascinated that culturally, throughout time, it's it's usually women or or men who have some kind of outsider status. Right. Well, uh, I think anybody who is targeted has a has a tendency to be more aware of it. You know, like, and and going back to the men and woman thing, it's like you talk to a lot of men and you ask them, "When's the last time you were scared for your life? Like, literally thought you were gonna die." And most men don't have an answer for that. Uh, well, I guess most straight men don't have an answer for well, that. Well, yeah, most, most straight typical, your typical straight white man doesn't have an answer for that. Right. Except, well, there was this one time, but for women, right. it's, it's like, like, oh, well, Tuesday. It's like last week I was in a parking garage, and I <laughs> yeah. thought there was somebody following yeah. me who was going to die. So there's just, I think for people who hmm. death is, is a closer fear, it's not so far away. It's more of a reality. That you're more in tune yeah. to, mm. to things that are not natural, things that shouldn't be the way that they are you're more in, in your to. space that you can say something's off something's weird this isn't right hmm. yeah I'm, that's fascinating to me and i think i'm I really I, I don't know I'd, I'd like to explore that more at some point yeah. i'm sure yeah. books have written luckily we have this around. great podcast where we can do yeah that. This, is, this is only the first episode i know <laughs> but that's a great story. story and and thank you for submitting that yes, story by the way so i really good. i just really love that that not only was a great story in and of itself, but it gave us a wonderful little jumping off point to discuss. Kudos to you two for being a supportive mom and waking up and going Absolutely. to that room and not just telling him to go back to bed. Moms are the best. And everyone I've known that has yeah. a mom that, that has like 
in that figures in their story of like the paranormal it's always the mom it's right. always the mom that comes in and says whatever is in this room you leave my kid alone right the dads are always like oh it's probably it's faulty wiring until it happens to the dad <laughs> until it happens to the dad isn't that true in all of those stories like you watch on tv or whatever it's always like the dad is like nothing's happening nothing's happening and then when his fit gets ripped out of the bed and he's flailing everywhere he's like all right there might be something in the house <laughs> okay i'm still not you're fully not convinced all crazy you're feeling every like you still might be exaggerating but i I know now something's up. It's like, Dad, get it together. Uh, Fascinating. I love it. So in the spirit, though, too. Haha puns. Um, uh, telling each other's story. I get to tell one of yours now, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. I want you to tell. It's one of my favorite stories. Oh, Especially because now it's there's the a there's a payoff that oh. that because I want to preface I want to I want to preface the story by saying that this is a story. Um, Going back into um, the title of the episode, uh, the prologue to the Omen and, and uh, its relationship to Hamlet and the, uh, the ghost of Hamlet's father, and and how that you know ghost really kind of makes Hamlet into you know the protagonist of his own story. Uh, this is a story that I have that has played such a pivotal role in my own life. Not only the fact that it happened, but the telling of it. Like it has been one of my most consistently told ghost stories. And no pressure. Forever. Well, I, no, no, no. I just mean I, I, it's one of my best. It's yeah. one of my that has freaked me out. And the not knowing what it was has been a huge part uh, of it. And uh, for like 20 years, over 20 years, I've been telling this story because it happened when I was young. And only in recent months, thanks to you, I might add, Jamie, mm -hmm. uh, do I finally, do I have um, an answer? Yeah. And I'm fascinated to hear your take. I'm gonna try and see if I can sit back and help you very little because I want to hear my, I've never heard my own story told before. It's a fascinating, um, it's a fascinating exercise and being like, oh, I get to sit back and be an audience member of my own story. Yeah. Uh, so. This is a story. And you know the story, the story, you know the story. I know the story. This, this is, is the story, story about. The sound. The sound. The, sound the cabin in the, in the woods. Um. And the sound. Uh. Whoopie in the woods, that's what I'm calling it. There's a whoopie noise in the woods. Hey. So find the sound. Okay, okay. Okay. Okay, yes. yes. So, uh, when Michael, back when he was in high school. High school? Yes, high school. He had some ne'er-do-well friends. And they would go, this is me telling the story. It's my story now. <laughs> I just feel like they were not ne'er-do-wells. They were ne'er-do-wells. They did quite well. They went to the forest to do drugs. They didn't, they didn't, oh. You know where I was in, in high school? <laughs> church <laughs> anyway so wow michael and his ne'er-do-well friends found this cabin in the woods it's already a bad idea they find this really old one room cabin it was two rooms two, room. two rooms i'm sorry but it was like a one only one person could one live per, there yeah a, a one person two room cabin in the woods and uh it had like a kitchen area and then it had like a living area that was also like a library and so there were a lot of books there, and they found it, and clearly other people had been there before, uh, which is interesting because it was about a mile from the nearest road. They had to do mm -hmm. some hiking. Mm -hmm. It's interesting mm -hmm. that they even found it to begin with. Well, we used to hike all... We were country but, boys. We hiked all the time. Yeah. So, but you came across this place, mm -hmm. and you decided to kind of make it your hangout, not knowing if perhaps murderers would spend their time there. It was going to be yours. So, <laughs> they got it, it is. It was. I should, <laughs> this is my telling of your story. I know, but let me just interject. 
I know I said I was going to try not to, but I can't. Like, we, when we found the place, it was clear that no one had been there for a long, right. long, long time. Right. So we felt safe. Like, and you cleaned up. You got, you brought stuff, you it, cleaned it the It became place a project. Yeah. We, we, the people had been there since it had been abandoned and had kind of wrecked it up. And so we thought, well, we'll, we'll fix it up a little bit because it was a nice place yeah nerd out over books you know now interestingly they did not sleep inside when they would go they would go camping out there for the night or whatever they didn't there wasn't room inside for i guess not all of them so none of them slept inside i would have been like y'all have fun i'm sleeping on the couch but (laughs) i wasn't there so (laughs) they slept outside um and would kind of just have like fires and tell stories and and do stuff that you do when you're in high school, marijuana mostly. And so that's all that's all we ever did. <laughs> that's all they ever did there at that place. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one night, um, it was late. It was dark. They start to hear this sound. And, and they don't really pick up on it at first. You know, it's just kind of in the in the back of the woods. In the woods, there's a lot of noises. You got the locusts. You got animals and just all kinds of things. But it gets a little louder. And it gets a little louder. And it gets a little louder. And, and they start to notice it. And there's some differing opinions on what the sound is. But everybody kind of agrees that it sounds kind of like a tinny screaming. Like... Like, it's a metallic sound, but it's also a scream, and they can't... It, it had a weird kind of tinny... Quality to Echo it. to it. Like, like, like echo. Like something was screaming from inside of something else. Right, and so it, you guys and, decided... And we were all country boys who had been hiking in the forest all our lives and had never heard anything, anything like this ever. So they decide, after discussing, that perhaps what had happened is a woman, because it's kind of a feminine sound... Um, had fallen maybe down a well mm-hmm. and was screaming for help. So there's a lot of old abandoned properties back in those yeah, woods from yeah. God knows how long, wells and things. Yeah, holes, whatever. And so they went and searched. There were three of you? Uh, five. Five, five of, five of us that went, that went into the woods. Um, I had an odd number. That's impressive. Right, okay, you so... did. Very close. <laughs> so they they kind of they've spanned out, but within you know space to see each other, hear each other. Right. Uh, through the woods. We were all Boy Scouts, so we knew how to do like a, a proper like search. wilderness search. Yeah, they were in the nighttime. We're doing a wilderness search. <laughs> we, no had, we had we had lights. We had lights. Oh, they had lights. <laughs> so they were doing a wilderness search through the forest, and they could hear the sound from up ahead of them. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, they realize it's not just up ahead of them that they could hear it to one side and then the other side and then behind them yeah so suddenly they were surrounded by the sound and michael do you have the sound imagine hearing that over and over again and then hearing it in front surround of you, you a ways, and then hearing it surround you, like it, it was, and it was clearly coming from multiple creatures because one would sound in front of us, and then a second later, one the same sound would come from our left or our right or behind us. So it was like whatever it was was calling to 
one whatever of its, the else's you were. know one of its, its brother there are multiples. you know there, there were definitely multiples or whatever it was was moving so quickly that it was going from like left to right and within a second which was also terrifying yeah. so yeah but that imagine that sound in the dead of night mm-hmm. in a forest and they, you had to stay there that night. You ran back. Everybody was like, GTFO. We, 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 well, so that's a detail that, that I wanted to add. When we got back to the, the cabin where the rest of the party was, they never heard more than one sound. They only ever heard. They could hear us calling out to it. They could hear us, but they only ever heard one sound. And we were like, no, there were multiples. Once we got deep in those woods, there were multiples. Yeah. And we didn't stay that night. We were so freaked out that we hiked the hell out of there, but we hiked from the opposite direction. Like, the, right. where we were going was, was a, a clearer path to where So we even though, like, whatever it was had completely surrounded you within a matter of moments, you still were like, I'm going to go into the woods because it's the other side of the cabin. We weren't going to stay in the cabin that night because whatever it was was there. Like, I'm like, right. we're going to at least try to run from this thing. All right. Fuck that. I mean, I it was like, we, we, I mean, there was some debate about whether we should stay or go. I feel like there should have been something. And there was, but ultimately the people that, like, well, I think it's better to stay. I'm like, really? How are we going to defend ourselves? We have a little cabin, a little four-wall cabin. You had books, sir. We had <laughs> books. We're going to read stories. You're going to this, read to them. To this creature that, that sounds like this. I want to play the sound one more time. ungodly sound it's an ungodly sound and you it sounds like a person in pain in peril and so naturally we were like well we got to go help somebody that doesn't doesn't sound like something that can hurt you necessarily it sounds like something that's in pain it's only once we're in those woods and we it was like oh this is clearly something that's up and about and it's it's we're we're being ambushed it's fine it's fine yeah it's time to go it's fine yeah Yeah, so so we hiked our asses back you you got back and we never went out to that cabin at night again, ever. We were like, no, we, no, no, yeah. I'm out. Yeah, which I think is the smart decision. I was very proud of that yeah. decision. So then you're with one of your friends mm-hmm. out in also... Bumfuck, bum, Texas. Yeah, Bumfuck, te- Texas. We both lived in, in Bumfuck. I was just in Oklahoma. He was in Texas. And he's going to one of his friend's house. And they pull up, and his friend's dad, who was like ex-military... X Green Beret. X Green Beret. As it turns out. Yeah. Uh, was sitting out front with his gun mm-hmm. looking out into the woods because they had a house right up on the woods. And they're like, what is going on? He's like, just get in the house. Don't worry about it. And so you talk to him. Yeah, the next day we, the we, next we day, talked to him. And he said he had heard a sound from the woods. Pretty much was your story. He thought someone was in trouble. He went out and then felt like he was surrounded. So he went back to the house, and in order to protect his house, he sat out front with facing ready for whatever it was mm-hmm. to come at him, and he was he had a gun ready. He did. And and again, like this is a man who had been in Vietnam. He'd yeah. been in, in jungles in, on the other side of the world uh, and had been all over the place as a Green Beret, and he said, like, I have never, I never heard a sound like this before in his right. life. And it, it, I, and I'd known the man since I was a kid, and I'd never seen him shook. I'd never seen him... You know, so like he was, he was. I remember like it's etched in my brain seeing him sitting out there in that lawn chair on their porch with with a gun, uh, just keeping watch, Ugh. like thinking like he was he was scared. This was when, this was a man in his sixties. People when very strong people are genuinely terrified, mm-hmm. it's really hard to keep your shit together. Yeah, that's just you know and, facts. <laughs> right, and so for twenty plus years, that was one of my best 
freaky Who's stories because and it I was... had tried to solve it. Like I had oh for, yeah, every time we got together, we'd be like, "What about this? Is it this? Is it this? Is this? this, this? There was also like there was this. Uh, the prevailing theory was like a kind of a uh, a Bigfoot type thing because yeah. people would would talk about when they heard Bigfoot whatever it was like a tinny scream and mm-hmm. so we talked about that too and even the sounds like that they've recorded or whatever yeah. aren't quite right yeah, nothing it's like nothing almost, ever not nothing ever hit i was like well it's close but not quite the same it really sounded like someone screaming yeah um so, but in a rhythmic tell... way yes and so just part. a few months back yeah this is very recent uh 20-some odd years I've been I telling know, this story. This so <laughs> I was with my fr- our friend, Brittany Karbowski. We love her. Yay, and uh, we were. T- she was talking about how she and her husband went camping. And they had been told that they're, you know, to watch out for this sound. Um, and it was an animal. And uh, they went camping. And th- that night... She said it was the worst, horrible, screaming sound you could ever imagine. And they were so bothered by it. Even though they knew what it was, they were like, we're not camping in here anymore. I can't handle it. And they knew what it was and knew that it was harmless. That yeah, knew it wasn't was going to hurt it, but harmless. the screaming was too creepy. Yeah. And I was like, what is this animal? <laughs> what is this animal? And uh, it's called a Sika deer. Sika. That is S-I-K-A. S-I-K-A. And it is in Texas. It's, I don't yeah, know where else it is, but it's definitely Texas. indigenous Texas. Or at least it's in Texas. I don't know if it's indigenous. But yeah. um, they are everywhere. And that is the sound they make. That is just their call. That's it their is call. a deer. It is a harmless mm-hmm. deer. And I had her play it for me. She showed it to me. She texted me the link. And I sent it to Michael. And I was like, I know what it is. You were surrounded by a Sika deer. And I was like, nah, bullshit. We, every time you come <laughs> up with a solution, it's never the same thing. And I was I was traveling. Uh, I was out of town. I knew and, immediately and that's I, what it was when I heard I, it. I played it and I free, like the hairs in the back of my neck just stood up because I was like, that's this, oh my God, that's the sound. It wasn't yeah. a ghost. It wasn't an alien. It wasn't a Sasquatch. It wasn't any of that. It was a Sika deer. And I just had never heard one before. But that story had been one of my best "quote unquote" ghost stories yeah. forever, and, and now, now it is. And now just it's, for a, different it's reason. a great example of like we finally found out what it was. Now it could have been the ghost of a Sika deer, well, it could <laughs> or several, have been. but it was probably probably just a Sika right. deer. But most likely. But isn't that fascinating? Like in all fairness, like we tell stories here that are purportedly true, uh, because that's that's the point. Um, we want them to be stories that stem from firsthand experience. So they're, as far as the tellers are concerned, they're true. But sometimes, every now and again, a, a really good story that seems to suggest one interpretation is in fact something else entirely, entirely. that is, you know, rational. The word is always so troubling. Right. Um, but but it's so that again, that's one of my stories that I have. I mean, I have made friends on the strength of that story. That story mm-hmm. has been one of my my top five that I tell, ghost stories or otherwise. And and now it's like, oh well, there's a whole new chapter to it where it was like, now it was a story about me and some friends discovering, you know, some creepy thing that we don't have an answer for, and what does this mean? And now it's a story about me, a country boy, not knowing what a, a certain breed of deer sounds like. Yeah. 
know, you know now. I know now. So that's good. But now, but now I actually have, you know, I can support that story at least with uh, with audio evidence. Of, that's like, right. This is what we heard, so you and can at you least can appreciate my terror. So yeah, the li- listeners, you can also yes, you know, be able to to say I know you just freak people oh my gosh just freak people out with it it'll be amazing tell Michael's story with that sound and then don't tell them the ending it'll be fantastic <laughs> yeah a good, a good storyteller just it's all about knowing where to start and where it's to editing end. you gotta know when to edit <laughs> edit it out so speaking of endings speaking of endings <laughs> I guess we should probably yeah, wrap this up yeah thank you everyone for listening yes, we are so yes. excited about this podcast we're having so much fun with it thank you to our submitters uh, if we didn't get to your story in this podcast uh, chances are we will get to it in later ones thank you for letting us uh, do a little bit of adapting to our own personal storytelling styles we hope you enjoyed it yes and that's that is all for this the very first episode of ghoul intentions thank you again so much for listening tell your friends and don't forget this Wednesday, October 3rd at 8 p.m. Central, we will be live streaming a Q&A about today's episode on Twitch. You can find us at Ghoul Intentions. Ghoul Intentions. You can also go to ghoulintentions.com uh, for links to our social media sites, our blog, and most importantly, where you can submit your own personal supernatural experience for consideration to be read on a future episode of Ghoul Intentions. Now, uh, we like to end every episode with a quote, and since I... Uh, choose the titles, Jamie gets to choose the sign-off quote, and um, apparently I have to guess where the quote is from. That's right, because you know everything. Because, yes, I know everything. Okay. (laughs) Go for it. This is a quote, it should be easy, it's a quote from a film that's based on a novel. Are you ready? Hit me. Eat me, Sebastian. (laughs) (laughs) I'm... I'm, I'm gonna say that is from uh, Leo Tolstoy's War and Peace. Yeah, I thought you would say Black Butler. No, I, I thought I thought it almost too obvious. Right. No, so not okay. So not not Black Butler. No. Not and not not War and Peace. No. Okay. It's from Cruel Intentions. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs>